This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, flamethrowers. Lindsay Gibbs here. It is Super Bowl week. And so for our interview this week, couldn't think of anyone better to come on than Lindsay Jones. Uh, Lindsay, uh, we've got two Lindsays here. Both spell it the correct way. It should be noted. It's very important in the Lindsay community. Absolutely. This is very important. It's, very important. <laughs> it's an important There's distinction. There's definitely like arguments. Uh, but uh, she is the senior writer at The Athletic in their NFL coverage and recently became the president of the Pro Football Writers Association. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, I was the VP for the last two years, so it was kind of a formality, but uh, it's still exciting, intimidating. We have a lot of work to do yeah. uh, ahead of us in 2021 and 2022. Well, look, we've got the Super Bowl Beyond Sunday, one of the only normal things kind of happening in the world right now between Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Give us, you know, we don't get down into the weeds often on um, on the football X's and O's. I listen to you on the Bill Barnwell podcast and things like that to get those. But give us a, a brief overview of what what we're looking at at this game. We've got Tom Brady, of course, on Tampa Bay, Patrick Mahomes on Kansas City. They're the defending champions. What else? What are we looking at? What are the storylines? Well, I mean, obviously the quarterbacks is the big storyline, and that's the thing that you're going to hear about um, all week ad nauseum. Um, the broadcast on Sunday, it's going to be on CBS, and you're going to hear a lot of quarterback legacy talk from Tony Romo, um, especially. We got a little preview of that on a CBS uh, talent press conference last week. Uh, but so yeah, the quarterbacks is by far the biggest storyline, the the sexiest storyline. You know that the NFL and CBS were falling all over themselves when this ended up being the matchup because, you know, quarterbacks sell. Um, you have kind of unlimited storylines when you talk about Tom Brady. And it's a little different Tom Brady storylines this year than we've had. Look, this is his 10th Super Bowl. You know, I think I've covered, I think this is going to be my 11th or 12th and four or five of them have had Tom Brady. But this is the first one where he is independent of the Patriot way. And it's him starting over at this new place. You know, there's a lot of really interesting stuff about the way that this Bucks team was built and came together and the collection of talent that they assembled. Um, but I think from like, a, you know, a purely football perspective, these are two teams that can score a lot. They can score very, very quickly. They have very dynamic offensive weapons, um, but they also have really good defenses. And while, you know, we love to talk about that this is the matchup between Mahomes and Brady, you know, the matchups that are really going to define this game are Todd Bowles and the Bucks defense and what they're able to do against Tom Brady in the offense. And then you have Steve Spagnuolo, who's the defensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, and their pass rush and their defensive plan going against Brady. Of course, Steve Spagnuolo was the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants 
when they when he created the the game plans and the the way that they beat Brady and the Patriots twice with the Giants back in the 2000s. Oh, so wow. there's a lot of really interesting kind of football stuff that's going to go on in this game beyond just the quarterbacks. But, you know, and then everything else about this game is that it's going to be the COVID Super Bowl, a third capacity. It's going to be very weird. I'm going to Tampa in a couple days. Not really sure exactly what to expect other than it's going to be the weirdest football game I've ever been at. Yeah. When I get into the COVID stuff, um, I think I have a lot of questions about um, about that. But I want to go back. Why has it worked so well? You know, we see legends go to other teams late in their career and often it's you know, a victory tour of sorts, but without the winning, right? Just kind of, uh, you know, a last hurrah. It doesn't, the championship contender status isn't quite there. A lot of the magic is gone. Why has it worked for Tom Brady in Tampa? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that go into it. Well, one is that he's still physically able to play at a really high level. It was one of the things that we all had questions about over you know the last couple seasons in New England was their decline offensively because Brady couldn't throw deep anymore because he had lost a step or was it because of the fact that they didn't have a lot of talent around him that they they didn't have guys that could get open they didn't have you know guys that could protect long enough to let these downfield plays develop so all of a sudden Brady lands in a spot where they are loaded on offense they have it's the best collection of skill position players that he has been with you know in a very very long time you'd probably have to go back to some of those really good Patriots teams of the mid-2000s in terms of the receiving talent that he was around you know Chris Godwin Mike Evans, who is as good as any deep threat wide receiver that he's um, that he's ever played with. Um, then they brought back Rob Gronkowski, who, you know, is kind of his old reliable Scotty Miller, who's a really, you know, kind of fun, deep threat weapon. He's just really, really fast and kind of a gadgety kind of player, um, you know, and then they added in Antonio Brown, who we don't know if he's going to play in the Super Bowl and adding in Antonio Brown obviously opens up a whole lot of conversations that would be perfect to have right here on this podcast, which is why I love you guys so much. Um, But in terms of just, you know, if we're talking like strictly football, why is it working? And, you know, it didn't work right away. You know, it took, there were some growing pains with this offense. And, you know, does Tom Brady's style fit with Bruce Arians is, you know, no risk it, no biscuit, just downfield kind of game. Um, And it took a while for them to get there. But, you know, it, it has worked, you know, and we've been reminded that Tom Brady still has it. And it's incredible that he still has it at 43. I mean, I'm not even 40 yet. And I feel like I woke up this morning, I could barely move my neck. And I cannot imagine, you know, some of the physical stuff that he is doing at his age. Um, And then the other part of it of why it's working too is their defense is really good. And I remember Bruce Arians said this, I think it was even back in March or April when Tom Brady kind of first landed on their roster, was that they built this team to win regardless of who the quarterback was. And then the fact that they were able to get Tom Brady onto their roster and he's the kind of franchise changing player. You know, he comes into the building, it changes the expectations for everybody, but they already had a really good defensive core young, you know, a really young and talented secondary, really good pass rushers and Jason Pierre Paul and Shaquille Barrett. Um, Maybe some of the best interior uh, uh, inside linebackers with Devin white and Levante David. I mean, one of the, maybe the best duo in the NFL. So they were already constructed to win. And then you bring in a guy who actually knows how to win to lead your organization and and it's and it's worked and they weren't the best team in football for a long time they didn't win their division this year you know they got swept by the saints but I don't think there's really a question especially the way that they played in the NFC championship game against the Packers that they're the best team in the NFC and they absolutely deserve to be here in the Super Bowl on the other side we have Kansas City who 
you know, last year was this great kind of underdog story to root for. And um, is Andy Reid finally going to get his moment in the sun? Can Patrick Mahomes, like, get the coronation? And, of course, the answer to all that was yes. (laughs) How are they able to follow that up and avoid a Super Bowl hangover, which is what we see so time and time again from teams, and get back? to this stage. Why was this team built for that? Yeah, I mean, they, they've they said run it back. That's been their motto for this year is the Chiefs are going to run it back. They, they've been saying it really since last February. Um, as far as the Super Bowl hangover thing, I think there was probably something to the fact that kind of COVID shut everything down and they didn't get to really have their like victory tour that a lot of Super Bowl champions get where you you're out there feeling yourselves for months and months and months. And you're, you know, you're kind of back at practice as like the the Kings and you're getting, you know, big parties in Las Vegas. And that didn't really happen. They got their big parade in Kansas City the week after the Super Bowl. And that was basically it. I mean, they didn't kind of have like the world stop. Yeah, the world stop. I mean, they didn't have the, you know, the the big White House visit. They didn't have the huge ring party. I mean, they did this weird kind of socially distanced like thing on the field, but there weren't it wasn't like a big spectacle. So they didn't quite get the same like fanfare that a lot of Super Bowl champions get. But then there's just the fact that you have tremendous continuity on your offense in terms of your offensive roster, your offensive coaching staff, your play caller, your offensive coordinator, your quarterbacks coach. You know, there's a lot of issues with the fact that Eric Bieniemy has not been hired as a head coach already that, you know, there's a lot of really complicated conversations to have there. But it has certainly benefited the Chiefs, right? They have this complete consistency on their offense. And you also have the best quarterback in football, the best NFL player, you know, best football player on the planet. So that certainly helps. You know, I think a lot of the teams that aren't able to repeat, that aren't able to kind of build a sort of dynasty, it's because your quarterback is not otherworldly and you need to do a lot of other things around him to to win with the quarterback that you have. I mean, you look at the Los Angeles Rams two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl with this kind of, you know, really crazy high powered offense. But I think they learned really quickly that, you know, while they could win with Jared Goff, they couldn't win with Jared Goff all the time and they couldn't win with with outdoing a lot of other things around him. Um, and now they've moved on from him just two years after he was in the Super Bowl. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, I think for the Chiefs, you know, a lot has changed, though, since last Super Bowl. They had to pay Patrick Mahomes. He got a 10-year, $500 million contract extension last summer. We'll see if he ends up getting all of that or if he has to, they have to renegotiate it at some point, you know, seven years from now. But that's like an insane contract. They um, were able to re-sign Chris Jones. They were able to bring back Sammy Watkins at kind of a lower, you know, he, he was a free agent. They decided to bring him back. There was a lot of elements of knowing this was going to be an unconventional offseason. They weren't going to get a lot of practice. So if they really did want to make a chance at going back to the Super Bowl and keeping this group intact, you bring back those guys like Sammy Watkins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think it was a very conscious decision on the part of Andy Reid and Brett Veach, their general manager, about how they wanted to build this team not to win just one Super Bowl, but to be going year after year after year. There's been so much talk, and I know you've, you know, written and talked about this as well, about how Mahomes has grown in the past year as a leader, um, not only on the field, but off the field. What, what have you seen from him, especially over this past, um, you know, during such a difficult year, such as 2020? Yeah, I mean, I think there was no question 
you know, even in 2018, when he became the, the starting quarterback for the Chiefs and went on that just like kind of ridiculous year, and he was the unquestioned MVP of the league, that like the people within the Kansas City locker room, that that organization responded to him. But we really have just kind of seen him grow into this where he is the new face of the NFL and he's going to be extremely marketable. But he is also very conscious of his business investments, um, the causes that he gets behind. It is not an accident that when, you know, Michael Thomas and Tyron Matthew were really the two players who were the driving forces behind the Players Black Lives Matter video early June of last year, that they, one of the first guys that they recruited was Patrick Mahomes. Um, Deshaun Watson was also part of that video, but it was not an accident that the first player to say the words Black Lives Matter in that video that was directed at Roger Goodell was Patrick Mahomes. And that when they kind of put the grid of, you know, it was nine or 12 players, that Patrick Mahomes was in the center of it. That is not an accident. And that is not, not something that you would have seen previous generations of quarterbacks doing. He is the best player in the NFL. He is confident in who he is and what he believes in. And, um, the causes that he needs to get behind and the ways to use his voice in ways that a lot of other players haven't done. You know, even today, we're recording this on Monday. We just had the first media session of Super Bowl week. Um, You know, Tom Brady, who has been the face of the NFL for a very, very long time, has never wanted to talk about any sort of social issues. You know, we've seen him with a MAGA hat in his locker before. Um, Nancy Armour, you know, one of my closest friends and somebody I tremendously respect in this business asked Tom Brady a question today about his political beliefs and his ability to um, kind of dodge questions or talk about social issues. And he, it was like he malfunctioned, like he was a robot who didn't even know how to react. When we get Patrick Mahomes on these Zoom interviews later today, and he gets asked about like, you know, how do you feel about the Black Lives Matter movement and your role in the video and voting registration drives and all that stuff? He's going to know exactly what to say, and he's going to be a leader in this front that his predecessors never were comfortable doing. And I think that's good for the NFL. You know, I think the NFL is going to change for the better after what happened this last year. You know, we've seen college athletes now being more confident with their platform, their voices, knowing that they have a say in social matters. Um, And then the young players, these young leaders in the NFL, guys like Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, that they're doing it too. Um, I think it's ultimately going to benefit the NFL, you know, years from now to have leaders like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's unfortunate that they don't have that verbal support from uh, leaders and like Tom Brady and a lot of the white quarterbacks across the league. But I think you're right. It's it's um, it's an overall positive for the league. So you've talked about being on Zoom sessions. <laughs> what does the media uh, environment look like for, let's start with Super Bowl week, and then I want to go back and talk a little bit about the season as a whole. But uh, Super Bowl media day is something we're all used to like watching, right? Like, is that all being done virtually now? Yes. So it's in, it's entirely virtual. Um, the Chiefs team, they're in Kansas City. They're basically doing all of their media stuff over Zoom, just like this entire year has been. Um, so yeah, usually Monday is, I guess, sort of for the last five or so years, media day became media night. It was this made-for-television broadcast event. It was in prime time. It aired live on NFL Network, where, you know, the it was all about the television production. They did not care about people like me. And that's fine. You know, they're not catering to me. You know, for like I was working at USA Today and now here at The Athletic. Like, this is not meant for, they call it media day, but it's not meant for most of the media. It's meant for a television kind of spectacle. And it's all about, you know, Deion Sanders and um, 
you know, the NFL network host kind of climbing up onto these podiums and getting right up in Tom Brady's face and chuckling and asking these questions. And they sold tickets for fans. And over the last couple of years, they've even had, you know, like there's been a stage and like pre-press conference introductions and musical acts and, you know, Scott Hansen hosting it. Like I can still hear Scott Hansen, who is a lovely gentleman and love hearing him on Red Zone, but like I can still hear him in my head, like narrating media night while we're trying to conduct interviews. Like you would go back and listen to your recording. Like I'm over here with, you know, some running backs coach trying to get some anecdote for my story about Todd Gurley before the Rams are in the Super Bowl. And all I can hear is like, Scott Hansen and Deion Sanders like yelling in my recorder. So I will say I did not miss that this morning when we had the, the first round of media day interviews. Um, it's all via Zoom. It's all moderated. It's on what we believe is a secure platform. I mean, it has not been infiltrated yet. We're only one day in, but kind of a secure platform where you, you know, you raise your hand, the moderator calls on you, they unmute you, you ask your question, they mute you, you don't get to get a follow-up. Um, so it's very orderly. It's probably not as great for storytelling perspective because, you know, a lot of these times, you know, you get somebody talking about their their mom or their dad or their high school football coach or something, and you're muted and you can't ask a follow-up to, you know, tell me more about this story. So mm. it doesn't feel like a conversation. And, you know, sometimes at media night, you can't, you know, you're lucky to get a question in and you're shouting over each other and you're getting elbowed. It's very much like a full contact sport. And it's one of those things that I think about, um, you know, like in the pre-COVID world of like, I cannot imagine being that close to that many people. I'm like horrified the fact that just a year ago we were doing that um, in Miami of all places. But, um, you know, there are times during Super Bowl week where the access is actually really great, where you can sit down with a tight ends coach or, you know, the, the receivers coach or the backup quarterback. I mean, I get asked a lot about, you know, when I talk to young reporters about like, what advice do you have? Or I'm new to covering the league. Backup quarterbacks are the best for information. Um, and nobody ever wants to talk to the backup quarterbacks. So like you could sit down with Chad Henney and like learn a lot of really interesting stuff about Patrick Holmes, but like you don't get to do that this year. Those guys are not being available. Um, so, you know, there, there's some things that are maybe better about it. Some things that are definitely worse. Um, and I, I do hope, you know, I, I don't love like fighting for time with a puppet, but I do hope that, you know, by LA next year, we'll be at a place that we can do that again. And for that to happen, that means that our country is healed in ways that we are not even close to right now. Right. But you said you are going down to Tampa. So what will that look like? Yeah. And is this your first kind of live game this year? Like, have you been going to games? So I went to, so I live in Denver and I went to three Broncos games where, you know, I was able to just drive seven miles up by 25 um, and sit in a socially distanced press box with masks and stuff. But this will be my first time on an airplane since the combine last year, which was the end of February. So, you know, I have my own kind of anxieties about it. You know, a lot of my colleagues have traveled. So I know people have done this. So this is hardly like I'm the first one who's doing something like this. But, you know, I have my own personal anxieties. Like I actually just right before we recorded this podcast, I went and got a pre-travel COVID test. Um, so at least I have those results back before I go get on a plane. Um, it's going to look very different. There is a radio row, but it's not going to be the typical, you know, all these shows broadcasting live and just hundreds of former NFL players and celebrities coming through their publicists. It's not going to be like that at all. Um, there is going to be a Roger Goodell press conference on Thursday with a small amount of media in person, which is really the reason that I'm going down there a couple days before the Super Bowl. So I can be there for that. So that'll be my like first time interviewing somebody in person in 
quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't, literally cannot remember the last time. So that'll be kind of an interesting setup. Um, and then, you know, the game, they've, you know, they just drastically reduced the number of credentials. You know, I think typically, you know, from the athletic or when I was at the, when I was at USA Today, we would have, our staffs would have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 credentials, something like that. There's this huge auxiliary media, you know, media space that they take over some of the bleachers or sections of the stadium. None of that stuff is happening this year. It's just in the press box. We'll have three people on site from the athletic, me, and then our beat writers from the Chiefs and the Bucks. And that's it. You know, I've been texting with my like colleagues around the country of like who's going, who's not going. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be any big dinners, you know, none of that kind of like schmoozy stuff you usually do at the Super Bowl. It's right. going to be, you know, I've been messaging with, you know, people that I know that work at the NFL about like, well, maybe we can get, let's meet for like an outdoor coffee. It's just, it's going to look very, very different. Wow. Um, all the post game stuff is going to be on Zoom, just like it is now. It's going to be a lot fewer players available. So, yeah, I think a lot of like the cool stories that you usually get coming out of the Super Bowl where it's like, you know, I remember every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last year, I was in the Chiefs locker room and going back to the backup quarterbacks, talking to Matt Moore and Chad Henney, and then also Mike Kafka, who's the Chiefs quarterbacks coach, to get like really inside that yeah. wasp play, like the play that turned everything in the Super Bowl. And it was the backup quarterbacks who were like, oh, yeah, it's called wasp. And here, let me draw it up for you. And this is how it works. Like, it's going to be a lot harder to get those really cool nuggets of like inside the game and the biggest moments of the game because you know, it's going to be hundreds of people on a Zoom with Patrick Mahomes instead of, you know, being able to kind of mine the locker room for those really unique little bits of information. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? This is Shireen, and I have struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. I've often turned to counseling and therapy to help me through. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. But this service is available for clients worldwide. Flamethrowers, wherever you are, BetterHelp can help you. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. 
You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which may not even be possible in a pandemic anyway. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read testimonials that are posted there daily. Visit betterhelp.com burn, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they have started recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Burn It All Down listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com burn. That's betterhelp.com B-U-R-N. So we have made it to the Super Bowl at the time. Somehow, here we are. At the time that the NFL originally slated. Uh, there have definitely been some problems throughout the year, uh, COVID-related. Um, how do you think uh, this season went COVID-wise? And how do both, I know you just wrote about this, um, You know, how does both the NFL and you know the players feel about how this season went? Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely proud, relieved that they got here. And it it was not easy. It was not without a lot of uh, criticism, you know, including from myself. You know, I wrote multiple columns over the last year about why is the NFL rushing to start the league year? You know, this pandemic is just starting. Why do they need to do this? There's nothing that says they have to start the league year on March 17th, the way that they typically do. Um, you know, there were times where I said, why don't they pause the season now? So I've definitely been in that chorus of people saying, what is going on here? Why is the NFL proceeding the way that they are? At the same time, they have made a lot of very conscious decisions that have gotten them to this point where, you know, in terms of their protocols, their their testing, their contact tracing. And I do think at least their medical officials have been very transparent about the way that they've been going about it. The NFL was in an interesting situation where, you know, when the pandemic started, they were in their off season. So they did have this luxury of time where they could, you know, kind of see what was going to happen and watch how the pandemic response was going in the country, watch what these other leagues were going to do. But they also could not just replicate what the NBA and the NHL did for their kind of abbreviated postseasons, the way that they kind of tried to reconvene things in a bubble. And, you know, the NBA got a ton of praise for the way that they did their bubble this summer. And rightfully so. It was a tremendous accomplishment to kind of put that all together and to keep it as safe as they did. We're now seeing the NBA trying to embark on a season without a bubble and how challenging it is. And so I think a lot of the criticism that the NFL got from kind of within the sports world about like, well, look what the NBA did and the NBA was so right and the NFL is evil for doing this. I think you see that like, it's just really hard for everybody involved. And, you know, I think the the complicated question that we always have to ask is like, should they have played at all? Like, was this just a terrible decision? You know, were they putting lives at risk? Possibly. Were they just going after money? Absolutely. They were chasing a lot of money. I mean, 
they're already losing billions of dollars and they have played a full season, including, <laughs> including they're about to play a Super Bowl and they've still lost billions of dollars. But once you kind of, you kind of just had to wrap your head around of this is happening. So we have to look at how did they get here? What were the things that they put in place? What were the inflection points that enabled this to happen? Um, I also think there's a lot of things that we're just maybe not going to know for a while in terms of like the long-term health effects. I also think there's been a lot of luck involved that has gotten them to this point that, you know, they haven't had really like serious cases. I mean, we always kind of thought that, look, the worst case scenario is that there's somebody, an active player could be, you know, in ICU, somebody could die from this. And that didn't happen. And I don't necessarily think that happened strictly because of how great their protocols were or how great everybody adhered to their protocols or whatever. I think they might've just gotten kind of lucky and have avoided their worst case scenarios. Yeah. Another serious topic that you you mentioned earlier that, like you said, is a burn it all down topic is, of course, um, you know, how we treat and talk about and deal with um, players in the NFL who've been accused of sexual violence. There are a couple players in this game that could have a big part. You mentioned Antonio Brown. Um, who's been accused of sexual assault. And then, of course, Tyreek Hill on Kansas City, who, um, you know, been accused of and and admitted to, (laughs) uh, been guilty of horrific domestic violence in the past. And then, of course, in the NFL, there was just this past week, the story of what the Seattle Seahawks uh, lineman, Chad Wheeler, the horrific domestic violence he committed. Yes. You've been covering this topic so closely and covering the league. Have you noticed any difference in the way that players and coaches or even the media are talking about or and are dealing with this? It's hard because I think in general, I think we are better equipped to cover issues of violence against women now than we were in 2014 when right. the Ray Rice scandal just like really rocked the NFL. You know, I think if you're a news organization, you can't like say you don't know how to do this. You know, I know it's it's something that a lot of us have written extensively about. We have resources available, we have style guides, but that doesn't mean everybody actually covers it responsibly. You know, I know it's something that we at the Athletic have had a lot of discussions about. We had our Super Bowl planning meeting, you know, as soon as this line, you know, this this matchup was set, you know, and I said we have to we're we're not writing any any Antonio Brown redemption pieces. It's not, it's just not going to happen. We can't, you cannot frame an Antonio Brown gets to the Super Bowl story without talking about the active investigations that are still going on. The fact that he has been, you know, accused of rape, it's using the right language. It's all of these sorts of, you can't write it as a, look how hard his last year was been and how great it is that he got to the Super Bowl. Those stories are going to be out there sometime this week. I I haven't seen any of them yet. Those are going to get written somewhere. I just want to make sure that they're not being written on the platform that, you know, I'm on our NFL masthead, that that's, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, but I think when it comes to like policies, there's still a lot of inconsistencies about way, about the way that the NFL treats it. Um, the way that their personal conduct policies enforced, it really still is basically all up to Roger Goodell. I know heading into last year's Super Bowl, we had a lot of conversations internally about how are we going to talk about Tyree Kill, Frank Clark, when he was at the University of Michigan. Um, and so I decided to kind of handle it as like, I'm going to do a deep dive into like what the personal conduct policy has looked like over the previous five years. So 2014 to 2019, kind of the post Ray Rice era, what punishment looks like. And basically the takeaway is if you are a good player or a great player, 
the standard is different. The investigations take a lot longer. Um, the, The burden of kind of proof is still a lot higher. If you are a marginal player like Chad Wheeler, it is very easy for the NFL to discard of you um, very quickly. The, you know, the last week, the Seahawks, this horrific incident occurred. The Seahawks cut him immediately. He's a guy we'll probably never hear from in the NFL again. You know, the, they'll suspend him. They'll probably announce in two weeks that Chad Wheeler, you know, free agent formerly the Seattle Seahawks, has been suspended eight games under the personal conduct policy. That's it. That's all we'll hear again. You know, but then there's somebody like Antonio Brown, who is, you know, an all pro, was on a Hall of Fame career path, you know, this investigation into the rape allegations has been open for almost a year and a half and is probably not anywhere close to concluding. You know, there are some complications there that it's a civil, it's a civil allegation and there's not a lot of precedent for this within the NFL, but, you know, they, they move really quickly on a lot of other cases and then cases where there's, you know, when you've got a lot of talent. And I just think that that's the one thing that's always going to be true here. You can make all of these policies and talk about how much you care about women and how much you, you know, abhor violence against women and all these education programs and training programs and hiring people. Bottom line is if you are a good player and if a coach and a team believes that you can help them win, they will forgive just about anything. They will make an excuse for just about anything. So that's kind of the hard thing to reconcile. And I know something that, you know, me and probably a lot of other women who cover this league and women who root for the NFL or whatever it is, it's really incredible that there are two female coaches in this game that Bruce Arians has hired um, two full-time female coaches. Um, You know, he has been on the forefront of um, all the NFL's diversity initiatives and especially with um, being a proponent for women in football, but he also signed Antonio Brown this year. And it's really hard to reconcile those two things. I agree. And had just a terrible answer. I remember Mm -hmm. when he was asked, he just kind of completely deflected and minimized it. And you're right. I mean, he's hires, you know, black coordinators and promotes them and, and women. And yeah, I think ultimately you're right. Like it comes down to at the end of the day, these people want to win and that's, that's what they're going for. So is there any kind of maybe on or off the field storyline that maybe, you know, not the big, not the big headlines, but that you're on the lookout for this? Uh... Ooh, um, yeah. I mean, the quarterbacks are so are dominating everything. Um, <laughs> you know, I will say, um, you know, the fact there are two female coaches in this game is great. And they're both really, really interesting. Um, so the Bucks assistant strength and conditioning coach, Morale Java Defar, she's been very like out of the spotlight, but I think she has she has like a PT background. She's really interested. She works directly with kind of all players on the roster. And then Lori Locust, who I think her story is just incredible. I mean, she's, um, she's a mom. She came really late to football. Maybe she played football. She didn't start coaching until like her forties and fifties. And, you know, she's working with Indomitian Sue and Jason Pierre Paul, and just this like really interesting group of players. And it's just cool that it were, it's getting, it's not normalized yet, but we're getting there and it's going to be really cool. You know, I have a young daughter and I showed her, I said, look, there's these two women who are going to be coaching in football. And she kind of was just like, okay, cool. Like it wasn't a, wow, that I never, I didn't think that women could do that, but it's, so that is, so that is a cool moment. And I'm glad we're going to be able to, um, we're going to be able to see that. Um, you know, Tyron Matthew is one of the most interesting, fun players in the NFL. He obviously, he was drafted um, by the Arizona Cardinals, played for Bruce Arians in Arizona, is one of Bruce Arians' favorite players of all time. Um, Now, obviously, is, you know, kind of in line to potentially win a second championship with the Chiefs. And, you know, he's 
one of the most interesting guys, I think, in the NFL. The the career arc that he's been on, the way that his college career ended at LSU, the chance that he got in Arizona, and now how he's just become this like really amazing leader and player and kind of a model for kind of who you are in college shouldn't define you um, into the NFL. So he's been really fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have a lot. I'm just writing a lot of Mahomes and diversity coaching stuff this week. So I want to go find some more of these fun um, under the radar kind of stories, uh, you know, positive things to talk about instead of just um, all the heavy stuff we've already talked about. But you're right. It is more difficult when you're not because so many of those stories come from talking to the person in the locker room who nobody else is talking to. <laughs> like that's that's where those stories come from. Yeah, and that's so much of what we usually do this time of year. I remember this time last year, um, our Chiefs beat writer, Nate Taylor, and I were doing a story of just like, what's the craziest shit you've ever seen Patrick Mahomes do? And so it was going to like, you know, backup offensive linemen and all of the assistant coaches. And like, that was so fun. And like, you just can't really get that in the same manner where you could like just bop from person to person to person to person. Um, And so, yeah, hopefully the 2022 Super Bowl in Los Angeles, we'll be able to do a little bit more of that next year. We'll see. I hope so. I will say we didn't, you know, we got into the COVID stuff a little bit. So on this press conference with like, it was Jim Nance and Tony Romo and Tracy Wolfson and some CBS executives last week, get ready for Jim Nance to do a lot of talking about how like the Super Bowl and the NFL have like helped heal our country. And this is this unifying event. I am not ready for it, but I just would like to get, I would like everybody to be prepared, like get your wine open. Like it's going to happen. And prepare your eye rolls and, you know, like, look, it's a football game. And like, I make my living covering the NFL. And like, I'm glad personally that I'm getting to cover football or whatever. But like, there are some really significant questions and challenges that have happened. And I mean, our country is in a world of shit still. And like, the Super Bowl is not going to heal any of it. Right. And what we don't know is how many of the cases, you know, from the people attending the games, right? And getting together at watch parties. And, yeah. um, you know, nobody's tracking that stuff. And uh, so it, it goes, yeah. please don't go to a Super Bowl party. So don't go to a Super Bowl party. Let's just, <laughs> let's just put that out. <laughs> Sit at your house. Like, you can get your own, like, beverages and snacks, like, and watch with your immediate family and your household. And you can, like, Zoom with your buddies or group texts around. Let's just not do Super Bowl parties. And, yeah, like, I think, and I put this in the story that I wrote this weekend, that, I think the NFL, NFLPA officials are very cognizant of like, we're not going to celebrate like getting here because just getting to kick off of Super Bowl Sunday is like no indication that that this was the right thing, that there were no outbreaks, that the fans that are there aren't going to do something. You know, in Major League Baseball, like COVID destroyed their world game six of their World Series. Justin Turner was pulled from the last game of the World Series and then was out on the field celebrating, taking pictures. The NFL cannot let that happen. Like they cannot have their bubble burst on the field after the game because all of a sudden they realize that Tom Brady has COVID, you know, that just, that cannot happen. And the risk that, you know, that I've already seen videos from people in Tampa, like out on the Bayfront Boulevard, watching fireworks and lots of crowds of people. And like, I'm terrified. I've got to wear my N95 and not leave my hotel room if I abs- until I absolutely have to. Like, it's scary. So let's just all try to be like cool, responsible people and not make this any worse than it already is. Uh, Lindsay, I wish that people would heed that advice. I'm not I'm not counting <laughs> on it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe having the Bucks in the Super Bowl, it's saving like 
I mean, if the Packers had been in the Super Bowl, like think how many Packers fans would have been like, we are going, we are getting on a plane and like how many extra people, maybe because it's the Bucks, there's going to be less people like flying in and traveling, like extra people, maybe. Sure. But yeah, like if the Bucks fans could just like not fill Ybor City without their masks on, that would be great. That would be really great. And final, final question. Uh, who's who's going to win? What's your prediction? <laughs> so I, my very like initial prediction that I did as soon as this matchup was set right after the championship games, I picked the Chiefs and I think I picked it 34 to 30. So I'm going to stick with that. I do think that the Chiefs are the best team and they have the singular best player. It feels really scary to pick against Tom Brady. Uh... <laughs> but... I also think it would be very unwise to pick against Patrick Mahomes. So um, I'm going to pick the Chiefs and I'm going to stick with it. Well, look, if we've come this far, if they put us through all this, let's at least just hope for a good game, right? <laughs> it has to be. I don't know whether this season should have happened or not. I probably don't think it should have. Yeah. But like, if we're here, might as well enjoy it. <laughs> at least make it entertaining. Lindsay, I'm so glad we finally got you on Burn All Down. Thank you so much for coming and for getting us ready for... Uh, for the game, if any of you missed our Tuesday podcast, it was myself, uh, Amira, and Brenda, and we kind of dug into the history of the Super Bowl and some more of the off-field stuff that's going on. So I think a good companion piece to this interview. Um, remember, you can follow us uh, at Burn It Down Pod. Um, and please, if you get a chance, go to Apple Podcast and give us a rating and review. And Lindsay, where can they follow you? So you can follow me on Twitter at by Lindsay H. Jones. And obviously that's Lindsay with an A. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and then um, all my work is at The Athletic. Awesome. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks for having me.